the majority of the people who you see doing things that you admire uh, have been working in relative obscurity or total obscurity for years yep. before, before their overnight break. You know, right. no, there's no such thing as an overnight success. The overnight right. success is someone who spent tens of thousands of hours, uh, you know, pouring their blood, sweat and tears into, into work that started out absolutely sucky and, yep. and progressively less sucky and yep. uh, painfully climbed and crawled their way into, into work that started having consistency and coherency and beauty. Welcome to The Director's Table, a podcast about the creative journey of filmmakers. I'm your host, PJ Saturo. Today, we are featuring two up-and-coming DPs who do outstanding work, J.P. Summers and Ian Reed. JP just finished a phenomenal ad with Christian Schultz for LSUE and also wrapped a feature called Sunday Girl. Ian is an incredibly talented DP and did the cinematography for Sunscreen with Patrick Mason, who we featured last episode. In this episode, we talk about the tension between directing and cinematography, making relationships, and finding your vision as a director or DP. So without any further ado, and because I hate long podcast intros, here is Ian and JP. So thank you so much, Ian and JP, for joining me on the show today. Um, you guys are phenomenally talented DPs. And though the show is sort of for directors, by directors, um, I think that being a DP is integral to the process of a director. I'm also just a huge fan of your work. And so today I'd love to discuss um, how DPs are as storytellers in their own right and you know your processes of working with directors so thank you guys so much for joining me on the show today thank, thank you, you for having me awesome um maybe uh, each of you kind of give a bit of a background on your your work recently so the audience has a bit of a frame of reference that i've actually gaffed one of the really fortunate to work on Oh look! I, I got a buzz tragic too. News. I'm so sorry. I my internet <laughs> dropped out <laughs> the second okay. I asked you that question, and so I don't think that it will oh, have recorded. Really? Yeah. Oh, dude, JP was killing it. I was I was on fire, man. Yeah, I was like I was just like sitting back, man. I I'll listen to this podcast. Oh, dude. Uh, no, it's fine. Uh, okay. What okay. am I? I forgot what I was going to. Give me uh, a JP introduction. Take two. Mark. <laughs> okay. So JP, uh, could you give me a little background on your work recently? Um, yes, I can. Um, first of all, thanks for having me on. It's great to be on with Ian, whom I respect a great deal. Um, does awesome work. And actually, this feels so different the second time, but I'm just, I'm going through it. Um, Go for it. <laughs> no, actually, one of my claims to fame is that I gaffed one of Ian Reed's um, videos that he did with director Max Heyman. A lot of better claims to fame than Jason. Um, and no, Ian and I uh, have have worked both with Max Haven. Ian done a, a bunch of work for all kinds of people. It's really great, and that's sort of our connection to one another. Three years ago, I did my first music video, and at that time, a friend of mine, Logan LeBlanc, who is a great cinematographer in his own right, um, turned me on to some filmmaking podcasts and Wandering DP and some other stuff like uh, about cinematography, and we shot this music video together. 
and I, I discovered that what, that's really what I was kind of looking for all along, um, was cinematography and I, I really grew to love it. And so it, three years ago, I started freelancing as a cinematographer and telling everybody that I was a DP, even though I truly wasn't. And then I think about a year ago, I, the, I did my first project with uh, Christian Schultz and I'd reached out to him, heard he was moving to Louisiana and worked with him and then worked with some other directors. And I think that was the first time I had access to like um, good ideas. And I realized how important that is as a cinematographer. That's like the thing that you're shooting um, is so much more important than how you shoot it because it informs how you shoot it and it allows you to practice. One thing that's hard about cinematography is you don't get to practice much. And I'm assuming same mm. goes with directing. Like the only way to practice is to get out and do it, you know? Yeah. So it's a mix between like trying to reach out to people who are doing the kind of work you want to be doing, but people that you have access to. And it's like, it's, you know, it's a grind. Every, I think the people who are doing the grind understand the grind very, very well. And the mm -hmm. people who, who haven't started that grind yet just need to get started to figure it out, you know? Um, and so all that to say in the past year, I feel like I started to sort of develop a sensibility in, in my cinematography beyond just like, I mean, like three years ago, I didn't know what negative fill was, you know, especially I live in Abbeville, Louisiana, which is, you know, effectively nowhere for most people, you know, I think it's a population of like 12,000 people. Um, and I work out of Lafayette, which is a little bit bigger, but you know, I've never really been exposed to any film sets. Um, and through, through a matter of, of just like shooting a bunch of uh, student short films um, and like just, I know like Natalie Kingston, I've gripped on a couple of her sets. That was very educational. She's, um, yeah, she's an inspiration. She's incredible. Just like does unbelievable work. She's from the same place that I'm from. So it's like, that was one of the big things where it's like, seeing somebody that you can relate to doing the thing is really empowering, you know? Yeah. Um, and so all that to say, let's see, last year I sort of started shooting what I would call cool work, whatever, you know, we all have like that je ne sais quoi, like that thing we're looking for. And I started shooting those kinds of projects. I did my first feature this year. I did, um, I've started to do sort of more interesting looking commercial work. Um, and lately, uh, after the feature, I did a project for LSUE, which has an interesting story behind it. And, um, you know, I'm very, very proud of the way that that turned out. And I've, um, I still, but like, I still, like last week I was in Montana doing like a corporate video for, you know, nothing sexy about the rate. And, um, you know, now I'm really in this commercial grind and just sort of like, focusing on trying to make a an income i have four children um and i'm married and um i think Ian, ian's a family man too um yeah I, don't, I think i might have you beat on the number of kids though you do um but uh <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not trying to compete against you in that either. right yeah well good because i'm i'm winning <laughs> um <laughs> but <laughs> Uh, Could no, but if I tried, <laughs> uh, he's saying that because he's infertile. No, I'm just <laughs> that's, um, that's a terrible joke. Um, wow, wow, wow. wow. Yeah. Um, no, so right, I think the thing is the that really does give some context to my career, and also to me, gives a lot of context when I meet people who have a family, 
and do this work, there's a certain amount of respect that goes for that. Cause it's like, it's, it's very challenging um, to travel, you know, like right now I'm, I was in Montana for three days last week. I'm in South Carolina today. I'm in North Carolina tomorrow. I'm home for a day. And then I go to the Dominican Republic for a week. And then I go to Virginia for uh, a day or two. And then I go to, uh, I think I'm going to be in the Netherlands in April. I'm going to be in Mexico at the end of March. And then I'm, you know, it's like this whole, like doing that with a family. And I'm grateful that my career is picking up in that way. But at the same time, it's like very challenging to balance all of that. And I know Ian is, works like a maniac too and it's like um it's challenging you know um so <laughs> uh, if, if my only contribution is just like laughter of, of like <laughs> of pain descent like i feel like that'll be a contribution to this <laughs> so it's it's uh i don't know if that gives anybody any perspective on the work i've been doing lately um i i feel like i'm i'm at a place where um I tell people that it took me, you know, 15 years to get to like step one of my career. You know, um, I feel like I'm currently on step one I just shot one movie. I really need to shoot like my fifth movie, you know, soon. Like, so it's like trying to figure out how to do that um, and maintain a career and continue to make an income and um, also do stimulated creative work. Like that's a tall order, you know, and, and we're all trying to do that. And it's, um, I think it's, it's hectic in some ways. And then also like January, I think I worked two days or something. You know what I mean? Like it's, um, mm. there's like, ebbs and there's flows, you know? <laughs> yeah. We all know what that's like. Yeah. They're like, thank you. Like, uh, I really <laughs> admire your work that you've done uh, recently with Max and Christian Schultz. Um, oh, yeah. just, it, it seems you. like your, your, your stuff's really taking off recently. And, uh, to have like top level directors like choose you on project. That's just, that's just awesome. That speaks a lot to your, how far you've come in three years or so. That's great. Yeah. Well, interestingly enough, and I'll say this, I don't say this to thank you. First of all, thank you. It's very kind of you to say Two, I reached out to Christian Schultz and basically begged him to let me work with him and, <laughs> and, and paid him to let me work with him. Okay. So, and, so and, and like, that was for the first job that we did together. And I love Christian. He's wonderful. He's like in, immensely talented. He and I have become really good friends. Um, and then Max wasn't even a director when he and I worked together the first time. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he's not a top level, like, you know, Solomon, I wasn't like sitting around in Abbeville shooting stuff. And then like, you know, uh, Solomon Lighthelm like rang me up. He's like, Hey man, I saw that video you did on Vimeo. Like we should totally work together. Like the, the, the grind is, yeah. Like the, the net, what I've realized is like, and I say this to directors out there who want to work with interesting talent. Like the reason like Max Haven is a perfect example of like, I think who maybe some of your audiences, Max Haven wants, wanted to be a director. He was making corporate Catholic videos, right. That weren't, and he'd done some interesting like personal work, but nothing that like was super notable at all. Um, he and I met on Facebook. Um, I, more than like, honestly, it's not like I looked into his work and said, Hmm, maybe I should work with this guy. He called me on the phone. I'm a big phone guy. I hate email. Um, and I really am big on like talking to people on the phone. Um, this, this podcast is perfect. <laughs> yes. Yeah, perfect. Um, but it he, was a Facebook chat. So <laughs> forget about it. Right. <laughs> no like, way. Done. <laughs> done. Um, but he reached out to me. We became friends on the phone and then we worked together and we shared the same sensibilities. And the same thing happened with Peter, the guy I just shot a movie with. And, you know, like we became friends that like, 
and I meet a lot of people that I don't make movies with. You know what I mean? You, you sort of find the people you connect with. Um, and, you know, you're interviewing DPs on a director podcast. Like that relationship, like, you know, not, I'm not going to connect with every director. And not every director is going to connect with me. And there's going to be people who work way better with Ian or Evan or God knows who than they will with me. You know what I mean? So it's like finding people that, that like you and want to spend time with you and want to make stuff with you is just as important as like making dope looking shit, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So anyway, that, that's my, I, I don't feel like I have high level directors reaching out to me. That doesn't happen. You know, um, I just got my first job where a production company that I don't have any connection to reached out to me and said, Hey, we love your Instagram. Um, you know, can you come shoot this commercial for us? that's happened to me once in my life and that just happened, you know? Right. Um, and, and that's the reward of putting in the effort. It's my best paying job ever, which is great. Um, and that's the reward of putting in that effort. You know what I mean? And I hope that it's the first of many of those kinds of jobs, you know, the goal, and I'm sure Ian can attest to this too. Like the goal is to become in demand. That's the, as a director, as a DP, as a filmmaker, as someone who's trying to make a living, like you want people to reach out to you, but that doesn't happen quote organically. Like it, it's an input that gets you that output eventually. Yeah. yeah. And I think, I think something that JP, you know, talked about is really important. And it's that, that idea of the grind. I think uh, a lot of people feel like they are kind of unique in that they have to grind it out and put in the hours. And I hear <clears throat> a lot of people talking about, you know, frustration that they haven't, you know, made it in that that they're you know that they're not like kate arismendi or or khalid matasov or like other dps who are like several years ahead of us and shooting huge things and people expressing expressing frustration that you know you know how, how do you get up there and i think what people don't think about is that it is a massive massive grind it's it's people oh, yeah. spending hours and hours you know doing doing pre-production doing prep doing shoots you know jumping jumping from shoot to shoot like jp said you know uh, jp's schedule is crazy my my schedule is crazy like every everyone who's who has their eyes set on trying to you know trying to really make a career out of out of creating beautiful images and telling stories visually and and climbing that ladder to to join the ranks of other incredible cinematographers both presently and kind of through history you know, requires just a massive amount of work and a massive amount of work in the shadows. I think, I think a lot of people in our generation are like, you know, I, I want to achieve success. And even if they don't say it, you know, I want to achieve success now, but I think the majority Mm -hmm. of the, the majority of the people who you see doing things that you admire uh, have been working in relative obscurity or total obscurity for years before before their overnight break you know there's no such thing as an overnight success the overnight success is someone who spent tens of thousands of hours uh you know pouring their blood sweat and tears into into work that started out absolutely sucky and and progressively sucky and uh painfully climbed and crawled their way into into work that started having consistency and coherency and beauty Uh, and not that there aren't exceptions i mean there are 22 year olds who are better than i'll ever be you know Mm -hmm. what i mean like that that's and that's very very rare you know um but yeah i'm sorry i didn't mean to interrupt but like but for 99 percent of the rest of us 
it's exactly what Ian's talking about. And, but I would, I would even argue that, <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe a couple of those exceptions not included, like the vast majority of, of the DPs and filmmakers uh, that I look up to are, mm-hmm. are people who aren't those, you know, 20 year old prodigies or, or 18 year old yeah. prodigies there. I mean, if you look at, if you look at any of the top, like I'm not talking about like people who are shooting big commercials. I'm talking like top level DPs who are shooting, uh, you know, the Academy award winning cinematography, you know, year after year, those people are not people who started out as 20 year old prodigies. No, like, that's true. Roger that's Deakins, true. who just won the Academy award for best picture like two nights ago, his first big film was when he was 40 years old. I was just, I was just looking up his, his filmography yesterday. And like a lot of people get, you know, really tense and really in their own heads. Like, Oh man, I'm like 26 years old and I haven't (laughs) like shot this (laughs) commercial or I haven't shot like a massive Hollywood feature. And I'm like 30 years old. Uh, Well, like, hold on a second. Like a lot of the most successful most astoundingly accomplished DPs or directors uh, or, or producers or writers or whatever, a lot of those people, you know, had to grind it out for years and, and climb the ladder just like you feel like you are. I mean, Rachel Morrison, Okay, yep. she, she did – can you imagine a worse DP job than reality TV? <laughs> you know what I mean? She did reality TV for years, dude, for years. And, and when she was running around on set shooting – reality tv okay nobody saw that woman with the camera and thought oh, i bet she's gonna get nominated for an academy award in 10 years you know what i mean mm-hmm. like the, no but there isn't this and like it, i'm flattered like when people and i'm sure ian gets this too when people say like it looks like things are going really well like yeah in some sense they are but this is like you know like it took me it took me 12 years to get to even get the courage to call like to even know what a dp was and call myself that you know what i mean like the same guy that was shooting shitty corporate videos is me. You know what I mean? Like I'm this, like there was a, there was a growth that happened there. Like I'm not a different person now than I was then. Like I, I'm, I'm an, an evolution of that person. Like, and, and I mean that in a hopeful way that like, if you know, like if you're listening right now and all you go and make something and it's awful, like I promise you all the people that you admire have made stuff just as terrible and just as soulless and amateur hour and stupid as the stuff that, that you're making now. And, you know, probably a lot of listeners are already making dope shit and that's great, mm-hmm. but we all have to, go, we all have to go through that, you know? Um, and I think, I think that, I think that, well, I mean, you know, also I didn't go to film school and there was that whole thing too, but like even the people that go to film school still have to like, they're doing it in an accelerated way if they're lucky and they can find people that are willing to do it with them. But like, it's still the same, grind and, and that's one of the things that i like the most about this career and this community even like i really love the filmmaking community um i love that it's merit-based and you know like like people respect you if you do interesting work you know so it's like um and people will work with you if you do interesting work so it's like then the challenge isn't about you know like network is important sure you know what i mean like um and and you have to do that and there's like a, a level of diligence that you have to apply to like getting out of your shell and like meeting folks but at the same time like you know i can meet the shyest 
director in the world who has like no social skills but if he makes dope shit like i'm gonna work with that dude you know what i mean like um and i think that that you know look at quentin tarantino the most awkward human being in the world you know what i mean um and he's one of the most well-respected filmmakers ever you know um so i mean i all that to say is like i, I feel like you know we don't want to glorify you know obviously we want to look up to people but like you got to respect the process and like um i've, I've gone on a tangent i'm sorry let's well, <laughs> gather I, would, I, would back. Just, I, would, I would just jump in to say real fast that i think uh what jp mentioned about you know this isn't supposed to be discouraging it's supposed to be an encouragement i think that's really important because i mean there is a there's enough self-discouragement <laughs> going yes. on among you know yeah. young filmmakers as it is um and so the the point of this conversation shouldn't be you know oh life is going to be tough for you so buckle up the, the point should be everyone is everyone is on the same kind of journey as as you are and no matter where you are on the journey like we all are you know alongside you and and you know yeah. maybe we're, maybe we're at slightly different points as as you know a person listening and maybe some of the people listening are further along the journey than we are and and you know i think the point is is y- whoever you are you're not alone like mm-hmm. we're all we're all you know we're all trying to create together. work and yeah. kind of in, in that grind together. And mm-hmm. the, the more we can build that community and encourage one another to, to not give up, I think the more beautiful work will ultimately be created. Very well said. Yeah, really well said. Thank you. Um, Ian, maybe just give us a, a little bit of your background. Yes, the, the 32nd version <laughs> and go. <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> through college, I uh, decided to go to a really small liberal arts school and study uh, the classics in, in history and literature and philosophy, because I was told by a person I respected that, you know, you don't need to be taught in school how to operate a camera or how to set up a light stand. You need to be taught uh, what's a story worth telling. Uh, and I really took that to heart. And so I went to a small liberal arts school, uh, worked <clears throat> on a lot of uh, kind of documentary stuff, uh, you know, PA'd on some, you know, Nat Geo documentaries, uh, did a lot of kind of different crew positions on small indie features uh, while I was in school, uh, and then started <clears throat> as soon as, like, the week after I graduated, I started working full-time at a nonprofit um, out of D.C., and and kind of got into the mindset of, like, oh, I should, like, have a steady job for a couple of years after graduating, because, like, no one has like a really nice steady job after graduating. Uh, and so I started doing nonprofit films and it like killed me. <laughs> I, uh, I just like felt myself dying during those two years oh because gosh. there was, there was, there was like the, the, and I should say like the, the organization itself was great. I, I loved the people there, but working as a staff video person at a nonprofit just kind of sucked the the life and creati- creativity out of uh, what I was doing. And so after two years, I uh, I was like, okay, I've built up enough of, I should say during that time, I did a bunch of nonprofit, you know, video work and web videos for a lot of other organizations in the DC area and kind of built up that freelance business on the side. So there was a lot of, I mean, my 40 hours of, you know, a week or 50 hours a week at the nonprofit plus an additional like 30 hours a week 
working side jobs for clients. And I did that for about a year and a half. Um, and so I was probably working, I mean, a lot of, I'd say the average was like 70 to 80 hour weeks. Um, and after two years, after kind of fulfilling my contractual obligation, I left the nonprofit, went totally freelance and then, uh, then kind of did the same type of work for another like two years. So did a lot of nonprofit work and just tried to like build a, I tried to use each project to build an understanding of like what I was doing right and wrong. And it kind of became my technical film school. I think the college I went to did a really good job of helping me understand at least the foundations of like, you know, philosophy and history and, and uh, literature. But I think that those kind of first four years out of college helped me kind of, or kind of helped act as my film school. Uh, you know, how does light work? Why does it, you know, bounce in certain ways? You know, what, you know, what does this diffusion do versus that diffusion? And it was a lot of kind of one man, two man, three man band type things for uh, quite a while. And then I <clears throat> uh, started, I started realizing kind of that, di that distinction uh, between directing and DPing and started really realizing that uh, that the thing that brought me a lot of, uh, joy was crafting images that, that told a story, um, and, and that carried the narrative, uh, oftentimes without, without even needing dialogue. Um, and I, and I started realizing that the, the thing that I was putting all of my energy into as I was doing these, you know, these really small projects, you know, over, over those years was, uh, that that the lighting the composition the camera movement the the visual storytelling was what really uh captured my passion and my imagination yeah. you know i could go on i could go on but that's you know i think that's kind of in a nutshell how i evolved into into where i am today and so i guess i guess briefly to answer the question of you know <laughs> what what am i doing today uh, i now uh you know i uh you know i'm just trying to trying to shoot a lot of a lot of um, projects and pushing them to, to be as, as narratively compelling and as, you know, visually beautiful and, and stir, serve the stories as best as I can with, uh, directors that I, you know, admire and enjoy working with and, mm -hmm. uh, trying to build those relationships and friendships with people who I think are doing uh, great work and hopefully telling, uh, beautiful stories with them. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I, I love your perspective and, uh, I think I think everyone can resonate with that a lot where it's it's honestly just a grind for years and for you I mean you were like a director for years as well or you probably did everything working for a nonprofit I I come from a similar background where man it does it can it it can give you life and it can suck life out of you um kind of doing everything yourself for no budget you know for nonprofits but at the same time I think it shapes you as a filmmaker um trying yeah. to tell something better and and the and the th the funny thing is is like I even even today I still do I still shoot a lot of nonprofit work, mm -hmm. um, but it you direct that too? not not much I uh, there's still a carryover from a little bit of a little bit of those years when you know a nonprofit will specifically ask me to kind of take the reins on something but you know the vast majority of the time. Uh, it's, it's just shooting projects and, and other people directing. Uh, but, but yeah, I still shoot a lot of nonprofit work. Uh, but it's, it's very different now because it's, uh, 
it's a little bit more, I think the result of, you know, people hire you to, uh, to shoot, whether you're, if you're a DP, they hire you to shoot the types of projects they've seen you shoot. And if you're yeah. a director, they hire you to direct the projects they've seen you direct. And so for yeah. me, I've, I've spent, you know, the last, you know, four or five years really trying to, you know, put up only the, the work that I think is representative of what I think is, you know, at least my, my best attempts at, at beautiful visual right. storytelling. Yeah. Um, and, and so, you know, luckily over, at, over the last few, couple of years, especially, I think it's really probably only over the last couple of years, I, I feel like the nonprofit work, if I'm doing a nonprofit, you know, shoot, usually it's at least, you know, where the director and I are able to, to really craft uh, a compelling narrative with, with, you know, visuals that support an emotional story that, you know, brings the audience on the journey rather, rather than kind of some of the, the earlier nonprofit work that, that I referred to when I said, you know, kind of sucked my soul away. And I, and I think the nonprofit work that I, I have the opportunity to do now is really uh, in some ways life-giving and I, and I feel mm-hmm. really fortunate to be able to be a part of a lot of these projects and, and tell uh, really, you know, heartbreaking and inspirational and, and, compelling stories of, of real people. And I think that's an honor. That's awesome. That's great. That's great. So I, I think the, the, the big question that I want to ask you guys is how do you see um, cinematographers as storytellers? I think in some ways it's easy to think that, well, the director is a storyteller, the writer is a storyteller. But, you know, I think you could have three different DPs shoot a film and the film would feel like almost in some ways different stories. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think it's, it's a little bit tricky, man. I'm not going to lie. Like um, one, I think it, it's not necessarily as magical. I think a good director can work with any DP and get what they need done. At least a number of DPs, you know what I mean? And I will say that one of my favorite, one of my personal favorite aspects of being a cinematographer is that I get to work with people who have very different tastes and very different approaches. Yeah. Um, and I, I do think, I mean, I always like, what I see is like, I'm hired in some way, like, I really, I, don't, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I don't subscribe to the idea of like, me pushing beyond what I'm being asked to push onto the project. Like, a lot of times I am being hired because like, Hey man, like um, we just want this to look cool. You know what I mean? So it's like, okay, like I can do that. That's fine. You know, like we can make it look cool. Um, But I really, for me, like I don't find that work where like I'm the one who's there to like lead the creative, which I think Ian can attest to like DPs oftentimes get hired by people who don't have a vision so that (laughs) their project will look cool at least. Yeah. Um, I really want to work with directors who have a vision and who want to say something and I want to help them say that thing in my voice, you know, like, so and a perfect example. I I have to just interject because I was literally going to say that exact thing. I was going to (laughs) say, The, the the biggest thing that I look for in a director is do they have a cohesive vision and, and do they, do they know what they want this project to feel like? And if the right. answer is, if the answer is no, that's like a huge red flag. Uh, right. And, and even if the answer is yes, like you have to, you have to, you have to often work to really understand, you know, what is that vision and to get at, 
you know, how do they see it playing out in their mind's eye so that you can best help them create that and bring that to fruition? Yeah, absolutely. And, and the thing is, I think what makes work interesting is when two people, like what makes filmmaking interesting is not that like some director is saying something, it's that a hundred people are saying something in unison together. Like when you watch a Hollywood movie, that's great. Like that took a hundred people six months to like do like that's nuts you know like um i don't you know like i think as as cinematographers it's easy for us to give roger deakins a lot of credit which he deserves the dude's a legend don't get me wrong but at the same time like his the the smartest things deacon is deacons has done in his career he's picked really really amazing directors you know like he's yeah. um he's one attracted those kinds of directors but also you know, like Sicario really looks so different. That, that's what I respect about Deacon. Sicario looks so different than Blade Runner and looks so different than uh, Hail Caesar. All of those, those three movies look completely different. And it's not like there's like this signature Deacon's thing. Deacon's signature thing is that he's fucking perfect. You know what I mean? Like that's, but like, but it's, <laughs> it's not, it's not like, it's not like a Deacon's look on a thing. It's that he understands what those filmic, what those directors are doing. Um, he works very tightly with production design and he helps the director visualize an idea. And I think yeah. that's what good cinematography is. I think that like, I'm, I know that my career hinges on working with people who have a vision um, and beyond like just collecting dope shit for my Vimeo page or whatever, you know, like that that's, I don't know. It's like, it's about working on projects that one are fun to work on, interesting, compelling, and are, are like a rewarding experience overall. Um, the, the feature film, I, my first feature Sunday girl is the opposite of like the moody Vimeo video. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's not that thing at all. Like if I went to shoot a feature that I was directing, it would be handheld and verity and mostly available light and it would have like some interesting looking girl doing something in a trailer park you know what I mean like like I don't I'm not a director like and and you know maybe one day I'll do something directorially that'd be it I'll only do that if, ever if like I can't live without doing it but the thing is I really do want to be a cinematographer until I'm dead you know like this is what I this is what I want to do like what's interesting to me about Peter Ambrosio the guy that directed Sunday Girl is that he has a vision and his way of seeing things is not androgynous to everything else that every other director and DP are doing right now. You know what I mean? Like that's, what's exciting about it is that it's different, you know? Um, and I feel like, you know, I've learned a lot since I shot that movie, which was only like past July, this past July, but I feel like I've learned so much since I shot that movie. Um, and I would probably shoot it differently in some ways today, but at the same time, like I'm proud that we created a movie that has a distinct look, it doesn't feel androgynous it feels timeless in a way and it also feels contemporary and i think that you have to be okay you have to figure out who you want to please and i think as a cinematographer it should be your primary goal to please your director and whatever they're doing um there are some directors who who don't know what they want to do until they're on set and there's a controlled interesting way of doing that that i really enjoy working that way like i enjoy chasing the sunlight and like oh, what if we put her on a staircase? And like, what if we ran up to her with the camera? It's like, yeah, I'll try anything. You know what I mean? Like, 
it's if if that's the way that their vision works then i, I want to be a support system to that vision in the best way that i can and i think rather than forcing your look onto different projects the real work is in picking your collaborators and being specific about the people that you really i mean anybody can buy my time you know what i mean like you want to work with me cool you know um you want me to give my soul to the project and to really like dig in and to really do something um, to say something, then like you better have a vision, you know? Um, and I think that that's a good cinematographer is a cinematographer who can articulate an idea that a director has in a visual way. Mm. Yeah. Good. Yeah. And I, I'd say to build off of that, uh, I, I think <coughs> if the take the takeaway should not be that you know you better have like a singular vision as a director and you know or else right. a dp doesn't want to work with you i i think what it does mean though is like the the types of directors that you know dps want to work with are the directors who know you know this is you know what these characters are feeling and this is you know this is what they're going through and this is you know how you know they need to you know kind of deal and, and respond and feel and act in this situation and you know i want the the audience to take away you know this and that and you know i i think that you know it would be you know it would be helpful if the you know if there was this visual motif or this you know visual cue or you know i i see kind of the movement and you know the you know composition and perspective like playing out in this way and a director having like all these kind of you know, levels and, and layers of, of thinking about how and why a scene is playing out the way it is, mm -hmm. is, is really important. But I, I also think that the reason why a director brings a DP on the project is, is because of that word collaborator. And I, I don't think it's, yeah. I don't think it's solely about like a DP going, okay, boss, like what's the, you know, exactly what's the right. shot it's it's about the director having a very cohesive vision that that comes back to you know a cohesive vision for the the film as a whole i mean i often think of it as the director being kind of the protector of the story and, and the defender mm -hmm. of uh the story and the characters and the emotion and as the dp kind of being the protector of, of the visual telling of that story uh and and in being the protector of the the visual telling of the story that dp is serving the director and his vision for for the story as a whole um and therefore looking to understand what is it that the director is wanting to communicate you know what visual motifs or ideas is the director wanting to kind of weave throughout the film but then coming alongside as a collaborator and helping to bring out the that nuance and understand in a way that allows you to communicate visually on an even deeper level so that the audience is picking up these clues, you know, sometimes, sub sometimes, and hopefully oftentimes subconsciously, you know, the, the emotional tone, the, uh, the struggle that characters are going through the, uh, the arcs and journeys of, of the piece. And, and I think that it's really the, the best director DP relationship is when the director has that cohesive, comprehensive vision for what the, the story is and who the characters in that story are. And when the DP can come alongside and, and say, okay, I, I think through our, you know, hours of, you know, working through this together in our, you know, in our days of pouring through the story and, and me trying to understand your vision that I can now offer uh, these ideas and these techniques and these thoughts and these approaches 
that help you elevate that and push it further than you could have done on your own. Because if the DP is just kind of a, a yes man who does whatever the boss says, it, it, the director might as well be shooting it on his own. But if, right. if it can be a collaboration between two uh, unique individuals who have slightly different perspectives and who are trying to understand this director's story and vision from those two different life experiences and those two different perspectives, I think you can get to a place where there's actually more nuance being conveyed, uh, more emotional honesty, and hopefully more, uh, more beauty and truth being communicated through the storytelling. And, and another thing too, though, like, and I think that's the why, like we are cinematographers because of the why and like because of these like very like sort of like deep-seated um, reasons. But, it, but the other thing that's like not exactly the sexy part, but is really equally as important is that like, you know, and jobs, each job is different. You know, I don't even know how many jobs I was on last year. Like, I, I don't keep track of that stuff, but like, um, each job is different. Like a director of photography, like, let's say like, for instance, on a feature film or like a, a big budget commercial, you, the director, it's not like you're like sitting together, having all these really intimate conversations all day with the director. <laughs> right, right. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. the director is talking, he's talking to the production designer he's talking to the producers he's talking to the actors he's talking to like you're one of like a thousand people that this that the director needs to like i need to know what the director is doing i need to know what his vision is i need to we need to be on the same page and i need to be able to go talk to my gaffer talk to my grip talk to the producers and work for an hour so that when the director sees the frame up he says Okay. Yeah. Good. Just adjust these couple of things. You know what I mean? Like it's you, right. You, but I, I think that's the reason why I, I guess what I'm talking about is, you know, all of the things that I was talking about are, are hopefully happening, you know, in pre-production and it might, it might be like a single day of pre-production discussions, you know? And I think, you know, even a single day of, of conversations or even like even two hours of conversation, even a half hour of conversation is, is, right. uh, is sometimes all you need to, to kind of get to that common understanding. But I think right. where, where the collaboration and where that magic really happens is, is like, like you said, if you're at a place where a director, uh, if you're at a place with, with a given director where you can have him say, okay, we're going to do, you know, X, Y, Z. And you guys with that one sentence, are already on the same uh, emotional space, uh, narrative space, visual space, where you can then say, okay, cool, you go do all the other things you need to do, deal with the other like 10 departments that you have responsibility over as well. And right. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna work with my, you know, with my G&E team, and we're gonna, you know, craft it, you know, lighting and composition and everything to the, to the specs that, you know, you're going to want, whether, whether you know, it's an emotional scene or a funny scene or, or whatever it is, if you can have that commonality of understanding with the director from, from even just a few conversations before the shoot begins so that, you know, with two words, you guys are on the same page about what's coming up next. I, I think that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, absolutely. And I, yeah. I and I, I was really just like wanting to add to that, that I think like part of the job and part of the director DP relationship, a big part of that is the actual like physical production, like the prep and the work and the labor. You know what I mean? Like, uh, it's not just a philosophical right. thing. It's like, <laughs> it's, uh, um, like it's shooting 10 setups in one day yeah, and not going into overtime and keeping everybody happy and making sure that like 
the the spirit's good with the crew and like there's a lot of like facets to being a good cinematographer mm-hmm. that are connected to but also a total aside from making a pretty image um and and i think that i mean i don't know that you know everybody's different too like different directors have different needs like um i was watching the cinematographer roundtable <clears throat> um with the hollywood reporter and janus Kamenchi is saying that um his he and steven spielberg don't even talk about anything right <laughs> but like he basically just sets up the lighting and the shot however he wants and steven's like okay good you know like yeah. they they already i mean of course they have a shorthand they've been working together forever but but my point being that like it's I think early on in your career, you're sort of trying to find people who care as much about making interesting work as you do. Once you find those people, it really becomes about the work of making, um, you know, Peter, the guy that I'm doing this movie with has had, we've had a really good mantra, which is trust the process. You know what I mean? Um, Today I got to watch some scenes in the movie. Um, The last, the last time I watched our movie, I was totally disgusted because I was watching a, a, a rec 709 rough cut you know um mm-hmm. and today i got to watch like the first pass of the color grade with music and the sound and everything like sort of in, i got to see some scenes that were like 95 percent finished wow. and i literally like teared up it felt like a different film you know like um you just have to trust you have to be you have to do the work put your shoulder to the plow keep your head down and go make work you know and, mm-hmm. and i think that a, a good director um, is someone that can ask me to do the work with them and for yeah. them and, and knows what they don't want and knows what they want and can communicate, you know, like there's a lot of just like other skills besides having a vision, you know what I mean? That, that help you, you know, a director's job is to say yes and no a thousand times a day, you know? Mm-hmm. Yes to that. No to that. Yes to that. No to that. You know, like, and I, um, and I think that actually ties into what, what I was saying as well in, in that because the director is so busy answering other questions, the, the more you can be on the same page beforehand and yes, the fewer conversations, yes. discussions you have to have about things in the actual shoot, uh, the smoother the whole process is going to be for everyone. The more, yeah. the more, cause I, I would totally agree that, on production, like on the day, you're not having philosophical conversations with the director about what does this shot mean? That time is gone. <laughs> like you're, right. you're, you're now, you know, you're now either shooting or explaining to <laughs> the producer why you're not shooting because your G&E team is currently, you know, fixing two or three lights or whatever it is. But like you, <laughs> you are in a race against the clock once you're on production day. And right. so I, I think, you know, what you're saying is really true that, you know, there, there's a time for the philosophical discussions about, you know, what does it mean and how do you best tell the story? And then there's the time of actually just doing it and rolling up your sleeves and making it happen. And I, but I think what I would say is both of those are extremely important. And, and Absolutely. if you can have those conversations beforehand and make the time for those discussions so that you are on the same page uh, and, and so that you can, you know, look at the shot list and go like, yeah, okay. So we know, we know why and how we're doing all of, all of these shots, you know, on the list for the day. Uh, right. And and then you can just do it and, and then kind of play around with, you know, happy accidents and, and do a little bit of experimentation as those things arise. Um, 
or you I, can pl- you can also plan for experimentation. That's something I do quite a bit with directors mm-hmm. that I know, like um, you know, like like, and just to add to what you're saying, like the the experimentation comes in the planning. Like right, like there there has to be like uh, okay, this is our shot list. Some I actually am not a big shot list person. Like I don't carry one on set. I never have one with me. Um, sometimes the AD like. It depends. Every shot, every shoot's different, but generally I'm not a shot list person, but like for me, it's about like, I, when I show up on set and even with the, with the feature film, like we had talked, I've already talked through every single shot two or three times. You know what I mean? Like to the specific of like slow push in, tilt up, we follow here, we follow there, we cover this way. Like we sort of, I, I talk through the thing with the director and make sure that we're on the same page. And sometimes part of that conversation is, we're going to shoot this thing and then we're going to, we're going to freestyle for 20 minutes right. and like find something, or we're going to try and plan to be at this place at this time. And you know, if the universe has given us something great, go for it. <laughs> and some directors, some directors want, need that spontaneity. Not want, like for some directors, like for instance, Max Haven, like the discovering process together with him is an important part of the process. Right. Like he wants that he wants to be on set and find something he couldn't have planned for, right. you know, like, and so like knowing that going in is really important when you're working with someone like that. And then other times, like with Peter, uh, my director for the feature, like the opposite of that, <laughs> like he wants this shot, you know what I mean? Like, um, we're not, we're not, there's no like, Oh, just find something every once in a while. It's like, okay, we're going to go handheld. And then like, like we adjust. And of course plans change in the moment, but, but I, I guess the overarching point is that like part of part of being a DP and I'm sorry that I interrupt you, Ian, but like uh, part, part of being a DP is finding, finding the way that the director likes to work also, not just what they want to say and not just what their vision is, but also like different directors like to work different ways. Some directors like multiple camera shoots. Um, I've gotten to a place where I, I tell directors like, that's not my thing. Right. <laughs> You know, like, um, if it's a good enough excuse for Deacons, it's a good enough excuse for me. You know, like, um, if, if somebody wants to do 10 cameras on a thing, maybe I'm not the right fit. I mean, I say we, I've done multiple cameras on like live concert stuff, but like, um, I want, I, I, I like single camera. I like working a certain way. There's some ways that I like to work and that has to mesh with the director that I'm working with for it to be a long-term ongoing I mean, you can work with any director once, have a shitty experience, and then never do that again. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, like, it's, it's all about developing long-term relationships. Because I really don't think, like, Peter and I who did, you know, I think we're going to do our, our most interesting movies are going to be 15 years from now. You right. know what I mean? Um, so it's really about, like, how do I start, how do we keep making movies until we make movies that are our most interesting movies, you know? That's really sort of the shtick. That's what we're trying to figure out. And I think it yeah. comes back to the, I think it comes back to that grind, you know, it, it's yeah. putting it, it's putting in the work uh, in pre-production, whether it's 30 minutes or five days or a month to, to understand not only what the director wants, but also who they are and how they, how they think about things. Uh, mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that then when you get onto that, you know, one day shoot, 10 day shoot or six month shoot, uh, you're able to, to operate effectively together as, as a, a cohesive team rather than having right. to kind of hash things out on the day. Right. Yeah. That's really good. That's really good, man. You guys are giving me so many great nuggets of uh, wisdom. 
<laughs> Too many. No. <laughs> Dial it back. God. Dial it back, boys. Dial it back. Dial it back. Um, I, I do want to wrap things up with a with final question. Maybe we'll do a, another episode one day because you guys are just giving me straight gold. Thank you. Um, yeah, of course. What, what advice would you give up and coming directors on how to, how to really make like a smooth director DP relationship? Wow. That's a great, great question. Ian, go ahead. I need a second to digest that uh, question. I, put you I mean, I think, I think for me, like the answer would be the kind of, coming back to a lot of the things that we've been discussing the whole conversation, because I think kind of naturally the conversation has led to, you know, what, what I think, and I think what JP thinks are probably, you know, critical elements of the director DP relationship. And I'd, I'd say, you know, for really for anyone, whether they're a director or a DP coming up, uh, you know, it's, and it's something that I'm still, you know, still trying to learn is, understand that the people that you're working with and collaborating with uh, have, have, you know, the things, things that they, you know, are trying to say in, in background that, that maybe you don't have and try to understand where those people are coming from. Um, and I, I guess as, as a DP looking at, you know, directors, you know, I, I for for a director, the best thing a director can have, whether they're a new director or a veteran director, is to know what they want to say and to have that vision. Like JP said from the very top, you know, have a vision, uh, and don't don't be afraid of the fact that you have like a very specific vision for something. And right. if you and if you don't have a vision, you know, think about you know why why is it that you don't have a cohesive vision? And it might be that there's something wrong with the, the, the creative on the, the, yeah. you know, the story or the ad or whatever it is. Um, but, but develop a vision and then just find people who are willing to collaborate with you and, and to pour their heart and soul into bringing that vision to life. That's good. I think if I had to give advice to a young director who wanted to form a good relationship with the cinematographer. I would say that the, um, you need to find someone that you respect, that you uh, can be really honest. I think honesty is the best policy. Um, I think you need to find someone who um, respects you as a person, um, isn't gonna steamroll your vision. Um, I've seen that happen a lot, I've done it. Um, you know, when there's not, when there's not jiving there and I'm with a director who to me seems like an idiot, um, I uh, try to make the project good in spite of them. And that's not a good thing. That's, I mean, I've learned to, I mean, obviously I've grown, but I'm saying I've had those experiences. People have those experiences. You want to find someone who gets what you do at some level, who you can spin long car rides with, who you can um, really talk to and um who is not stupid and also has a good work <laughs> ethic um you know like i think that those things i mean and then on top of that you need to find someone who's really good you know um you need to find someone 
if you want to make good work, you have to work with people that make good work, period. Um, and, and that's, that was probably one of the hardest truths that I learned is that I just had to stop settling and work with people who have, who are better. And I don't mean that in like, I don't mean that they're better people necessarily, but if someone's really good at something, you should work with them. And, Mm -hmm. and especially if you connect with them, I have, I have three director relationships that I lean on and that I consider myself to be very close friends with these people. And I know that I'll be working with them in 15 years, not on everything that they shoot, but on some of the stuff that they shoot. And, and if they call me to say, Hey, I've got this thing, I will say yes, period. You know, like, because I, I love working with them and I love their work and I'm a big fan. You know, Peter Ambrosio, nobody knows who Peter Ambrosio is. He's not a, he's not a Vimeo star. He's not um, some sexy commercial director. He's, he's not that, um, you know, like he's had an interesting uh, journey. He's a fireball of talent, an incredible writer. And he and I are lucky to work together um, on our first movie and like really make something uh, that we're both very proud of that I think is going to make waves in its own way and is not going to be, you know, opening myself up to that relationship first and becoming friends with him was very key to us having a good working relationship together. And sometimes it's the other way. Sometimes you do a couple projects with somebody and then you become close. Um, and I, I do think as a director, you should, you should try working with a lot of different DPs. You know, you should date around. You should, um, you know, if you see somebody's work that you respect, call them up and reach out to them and hire them and pay your DP money and, um, and make interesting work together. And if you like that person and you connect and you feel like they get what your vision is, that's a special thing that doesn't happen a lot, you know? Um, great collaborative relationships don't happen a lot. Um, so when you find them, you need to cherish them and, um, and work on them and, uh, you know, work with the people that you really love working with and that do dope shit. <laughs> yeah. And I, I mean, just to add one last thing, I mean, I think, you know, it is about working with human beings, yeah, not working, absolutely. Not, not working with people that you're going to use to try to, to climb the ladder. Um, yeah. I think there's enough, there's enough using people in this world. And I think that, you know, maybe, maybe, it seems like maybe now more so than in the past, but what do I know? It, it seems like maybe uh, there's more of an emphasis now in the general film community to to have you know real and yeah. and collaborative and supportive community and, and relationship building. And maybe yeah. maybe maybe that's always been the case. You know, for, for no, I think it's a generational thing. <laughs> but mm-hmm. but yeah, I, and I I would say like it. I think is really important to you know as JP said, you know, work with people, one who, who you connect with, but also to, to really be intentional about treating every relationship as a real human being who, who who is worth investing time and energy into, not just because of what you can get out of them, but because they have, uh, they have meaning and value outside of the act of filmmaking. Um, you know, I think investing in people as, as people worth investing in, uh, has a lot of, a lot of benefits besides just creating good work. It also, you know, very, I mean, on the practical level, it, it, you know, 
builds friendships that, as JP said, you know, last for years um, and hopefully a lifetime. Um, and I, I mean, my, I would say, you know, the, <laughs> the majority of my, of my, you know, close friends and friendships, uh, a lot of those people are as a result of, you know, just working with and becoming friends with people who are also filmmakers. And I, yeah, I think that that can't be, you know, overstated how important it is to just treat people as people. Yeah. That's awesome. What, patience, patience, yeah. you know, like nobody's, nobody's in a rush. Just, you're not going to get a Vimeo staff pick next week. Everybody calm down. Just go <laughs> do the work, you know? And even if you do like, who cares? Yeah. You, what, somebody's going to show up at your door with a million dollars or something like that. It's not going to happen. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, I, I, and the thing is like, I'm not precious about the work that I do. I'm serious about the work that I do. Mm. I'm not precious about the work that I do. You know, like I, and, and I mean, all that to say, like I cried when I watched a movie today, but like, uh, <laughs> I, I, I do care a lot about my work, but at the same time, like, I think that filmmaking is about the process, not just the result. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it's a, like a, a director, you need to, if you don't, freaking love showing up on set and shooting then you're like you're probably not cut out for it that's my opinion <laughs> like yeah. like if i love the process itself even if it's a corporate video yeah. that's not the dopest thing ever i get to i get to point a camera at people and light people and work with interesting people and like i love what i do i love my career i i feel very very blessed very very fortunate um to be able to participate and and put work into the world like and i think that 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 disposition um is a healthy disposition that will that will attract collaborators who have a similar disposition and i think those are the people who work for 45 years yeah i love that yeah that's that's a great note to end on thank you guys so much for sharing your really your thoughts and your hearts and your process um i i hope to have more conversations with you guys in the future and you guys are killing it so please keep it up and i can't wait to see your your projects you guys turn out soon thank you guys yeah thank you so much thank you for listening to director's table the music for this podcast is provided by muse open a not-for-profit site where you can license free classical music i'm your host pj Sturo, and i'll see you next week on director's table